Hi, this is the Cancer Liberation Project podcast. If you've been touched by cancer and have some fear around remaining healthy, you are in the right place. As a 20-year-plus cancer survivor, Haley knows how unsettling it can be to not only hear the words, you have cancer, but also the uncertainty and fear that comes when you have been declared cancer-free. The Cancer Liberation Project was born out of Haley's desire to make cancer less scary for people, to give people hope that they can not only heal from cancer, but live their best, most vibrant life after cancer. Get ready to be inspired with your host, Haley Dubin. Hi, and welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. Today, I sit down with Janet Ottersberg. Janet's career in the health and wellness industry has spanned over 30 years. Her passion for an integrative approach to healing and wellness started early on in her life as she witnessed multiple family members affected by chronic disease, including cancer and diabetes. As an occupational therapist, Janet has had the pleasure to work with patients from neonates to geriatrics in a variety of settings. Her training in the daring way, based on the work of Brene Brown, has been fundamental in the emotional healing work that goes along with physical healing. She assists people that have been affected by cancer in healing the emotional scars of cancer as a facilitator with a fresh chapter. Janet has been working with Dr. Nisha Winters using the metabolic approach to cancer, both as a group facilitator and a coach. She is very excited about her role in changing the face of cancer treatment as the Director of Education for the Metabolic Terrain Institute of Health. Janet is passionate about life balance, and when she's not doing the work she loves, she can be found on a dance floor, traveling to another country, or walking the trails of Altadena with her dogs, Heinz and Winston. I look forward to sharing my conversation with Janet. But before I do, just a couple things to mention. First, a reminder to head over to my website at revivewellness.com to get your free seven top tips to keep cancer away and feel confident in your body again. That's R-E-V-I-V-E wellness.com. And second, I want to take a moment to thank the Carl Felt Center, who makes this show possible. Hi, Janet. Welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. I'm really happy to have you on. Hi, Haley. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Now, I just wanted to ask you, what started you on your path to improving your health and then helping others do the same? Well, I started this path many, many years ago. As I was growing up, cancer was popping up all over the place in my family. So when we heard the C word, we knew that that, um, there could be bad things to come because I was fairly young and didn't really understand. And back then, cancer really did mean bad things were to come. Um, And so it was in my awareness for a very long time. And then when I was in high school, my oldest brother was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and at that time given two months to live, which hit me very hard. And then watching his process of living 24 years beyond that two-month diagnosis um, was really pivotal for me in determining that being in healthcare was something that was something I really wanted to do. And I think from the start, from a kid, I always was interested in taking care of other people and taking care of myself. 
health was always just something that I was always interested in. And what did your brother do? Did he look outside the box to to survive that long? I mean, that's incredible, especially back then with pancreatic cancer. Back then, that was really unheard of. And he did not do any standard of care. He did everything outside of the box. So he changed his diet and worked on his emotional, you know, the emotional side of um, all the things he had going on in his emotional world and really looked at change from a very different perspective than what conventional medicine was saying that you should do. Wow, that is incredible, incredible. And I know when we spoke, you said that you are one of 10 children, right? Yes. And I know that you struggled with your health a little bit back then. How was that for you being in a family of 10 and and trying to figure all that out? Yeah, that was, it was really hard. Um, And in my family, like I said, cancer came up a lot. And so I've had a few different siblings that have had cancer diagnosis. And the way that the family is kind of of divided is that we have our parents' kids or my mother's kids and my father's kids. And you can definitely see those genetic traits that have been passed down. And so the kids that are my dad's kids, you can see it in their in their body structure, in their face. So I'm my dad's kid. And in my mom's kids, you can see it in their structure, in their face, and in their chronic disease process as well. Very interesting how it's divided up. So my dad had diabetes and the kids that take after my dad definitely tend toward um, the tendency for diabetes. And then the others on my mom's side have more of that tendency towards cancer. And so when I was a kid, I struggled since I was very young with my weight. And so it's kind of like I've been on this path towards diabetes since I was a very little girl. I remember going on my first diet when I was in second grade. And my mom worked really hard to help us along that way in what she knew, you know, so she always had a special diet plate that she would make for my dad and for me. Because when the other kids were little, they didn't show any of these kind of tendencies as, as kids, not until they were older. But she would make this diet plate for me of, you know, fish and there was always grapefruit involved and fresh vegetables. <laughs> um, and so that's how she really tried to help me along that way. But I think there was so much more to it that she didn't understand. And so I continued on this struggle for a very long time and still do struggle with that. And that also spurred my desire to really look at my own self-care and, and healing and wellness. Yeah. So, I mean, you said second grade and that's kind of what happens in America. Like we have this diet mentality that, oh my gosh, you're tubby or, I mean, being that young, what did that look like for you? I mean, were you bullied or were you, you know, were your fan, did your family tease you or? Yeah, all of the above. Yeah, it was really hard. And that emotional side of it, 
has carried on for years and years and years. So I kind of alluded to that, but didn't say it outright when I said my mom, you know, she tried to work on the diet piece with me, but she never even knew how to broach the emotional aspects of that. And not just the emotional aspects of eating, of why you eat, but the emotional aspects of getting bullied you know, because you're a fat kid and all that does for your self-esteem, you know, growing up in that body. And, um, you know, I, I was always athletic. I was always, always loved to move, but still carried weight that I could to this day have trouble getting rid of. And it's so tough for kids, and especially when your family isn't struggling with that, your your siblings aren't struggling with that. And so you're kind of like, okay, I'm the only one. And I know now you work with families. What do you suggest for them to do to handle that kind of thing? My first suggestion is that when there's a dietary change that's necessary for a child, that it's a dietary change for the whole family. So that this child is not, doesn't look like they're doing anything different than everybody else. You know, it's, it's gotta be a whole family change because if it's not, then the child looks like they're singled out and trauma is a, a strong word to use, but it's little traumas. Every time you feel singled out, that's a little trauma that you experience as a child. Yeah. So I think that's the big one is that the whole family changes how they're eating and does it in a way that it just looks like this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing for our health, not this is what you're doing to lose weight. And I think that's so important too, when it comes to diseases and like cancer, because again, you know, it's hard to make those changes, but if the whole family does it together, I'm sure that is so helpful. Yeah. And with the clients that I work with that it's maybe just a couple, you know, and, and one of that, the partner has a cancer diagnosis. It's so hard for that person if their partner isn't doing this with them, you know, because these changes that are recommended as far as diet go for cancer are very difficult, especially if you are changing habits from an entire life lifetime And if your partner is then eating all the things that you're now missing out on, it's very difficult for that person. So it's always best if the household is making these changes together. I think that's such an important point because I don't think a lot of people think about that at all. Yeah. And I know you work with people on metabolic dysfunction and I was hoping that you can explain what that is and what does it lead to if you have metabolic dysfunction? Yeah, that's a great question. And I will answer it the best that I can. So metabolic dysfunction is really the breakdown of your terrain. So the terrain is your body and how your body functions with all that it's given from the environment. So our body is meant to have this homeostasis where it can heal itself, you know? So if it's, if it has an injury, it can heal itself in that process because of 
all of the tools that it has, you know, this great immune system and, and these built-in mechanisms that help us to ward off toxins and bacteria and all these things that we're exposed to. Part of that process is how our body burns it, the fuel from food that we're providing it. And when the food that we're providing for fuel is made up of mostly carbs and refined foods with food coloring and all these things our body is not accustomed to, then that fuel that we're burning is no longer working for us. And then it creates problems within that environment. And so we've lost the ability to give our body what it needs to create homeostasis. And it's not just from the fuel that we're, you know, that we're giving our body or the, the non-fuel that we're giving our body. That's the standard American diet, but it's all of our exposures again to toxins and to stress and to um, all of these things that surround us and make up our lifestyle today. So if someone has metabolic dysfunction, what are some of those symptoms, would you say? And also, what can it cause? What kind of diseases can, can that cause? So diabetes is one, which is why it's so interesting for me in trying to ward off diabetes and also having this genetic propensity towards cancer because they kind of go hand in hand. And so it's sort of a first step. So it's how your body um, utilizes sugar or doesn't utilize, how it breaks down sugar. And so um, higher insulin factors, which lead to diabetes, which then can lead to cancer, um, autoimmune disorders, neurological disorders, autism, ADHD. So it's the whole gamut of chronic diseases kind of go back to metabolic disease you know, and that metabolic process that's been broken down. So how does someone know if they are have metabolic dysfunction besides their blood sugars off, their insulin, that kind of thing? Well, there's a variety of things that you can look at. And one of them is um, brain fog. So, you know, do you feel like you can't even think straight anymore? Do you feel tired after you've had a full night's rest? Um, do you not heal well? Like if you've had an injury, do you not heal fast? Do you, does it take a long time for you to heal? So those are some things, um, rashes, you know, different skin disorders. Do you get sick a lot? Do you get colds a lot? So those are a few, you know, is your hair falling out? That's another one. Yes. Yeah. So there's many, many things to, to look at that we may associate with other things that if you start to go down the path and really look at all of these things together, you know, different blood work, and then, you know, some of those physical symptoms, it'll take you down the path of meta metabolic disorder. And what do you recommend for people to improve their metabolic health? First thing always is diet. And the number one thing that we can do, the number one easiest thing that we can do to improve our health is to take out refined sugar. If everybody would just 
take out refined sugar from their diet, that would be huge. Mm. And so even uh, obviously the pastries and the cookies and the candy, what else would you say? Like, you know, I know people like with potatoes and all the white flour and that kind of stuff, it turns into sugar in our body. Do you, is that something you recommend people? Yeah. So usually it's, it's refined foods. So first is refined sugar. Next step is refined foods. So flour is refined food. So anything that has flour in it is a refined food, taking that out. Anything with dyes in it, um, which is usually in refined foods. So that would be secondary. And then really looking at the types of carbohydrates that you're eating. Are you eating carbohydrates that are um, complex carbohydrates or carbohydrates that break down quickly? And so, you know, looking to increase those low carb vegetables, such as leafy green vegetables, zucchini, celery, you know, and really increasing those things in your diet and taking out some of those carbohydrates that break down very quickly. And so people think fruit is a really good option. And I'm not, I'm not demonizing fruit, but fruit is really high in sugar. And even though it's more of a complex sugar, it still can break down and increase the glucose in our system. And so really being careful about how much how much fruit you're eating every day, you know, and really treating it like a, like a treat as opposed to um, something that you eat all the time. Yeah. And I know it affects people differently, right? So, you know, maybe taking a glucose monitor and testing how you do with different fruits, right? Right. Right. Yeah. And that's really the key for everybody is it's so what we call a bio-individual approach where maybe somebody, their glucose won't really be affected if they have an apple, but somebody else, it'll shoot their glucose right up. And so if you're that person that your glucose goes way up after eating an apple, maybe that's something you might want to consider not eating so often. And is there one you recommend a glucose monitor? Because I know a lot of people ask about that. Yeah. Well, the glucose monitor that I recommend because you can also test ketones with it is the Keto Mojo. Oh, okay. Well, that leads me into the ketogenic diet because you know, there's controversy with it, right? Like some people say you're eating all this meat and, and not many, and you know, very high fat and low carb, but not many phytonutrients. So what do you say about that? And what is your, your recommended diet for people? Yeah, well, definitely low carb is a recommended diet. And again, it goes back to this bio-individual approach and not everybody can do a ketogenic diet. Not everybody can do a low carb, high fat diet the same way. And so when I'm working with people, it's really about what are their specific needs. And in a ketogenic diet or a low carb, high fat diet, people have an impression that it is a lot of protein. But when you are setting up macronutrient targets for a person that's doing a ketogenic diet, especially a ketogenic diet for cancer, the protein is actually really low, surprisingly low. And you're really looking to get the nutrients in other ways. And the push is for 
vegetables and really getting in as many vegetables as you can with those carbohydrate targets that you have and getting a variety of vegetables. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because variety is so important. I think people struggle with that. Yes, for sure. And what important point you made is not everyone can do the ketogenic diet. Like you have to test and and see how you're doing, right? Yeah. And there are specific genetic factors where people are, cannot have a certain amount of saturated fats based on their genetic SNPs. And so you have to look at that as well. And so maybe it's not the ketogenic parameters where they're eating as much fat as other people would on a ketogenic diet, but it's still people will benefit from a low carb diet and eating more healthy fats than we're used to in the standard American diet. And I think that's really important is that that fat that we eat is really important for our neurological system. And we have been told for so many years now that low fat is where it's at and our systems are paying for it in this breakdown of our neurological capabilities. You know, our brain is made up of fat. And those pathways that those nerve coverings, the coverings that cover our our nerves, that's all fatty tissue. And so that fat is really important in our diet, but it has to be good quality fats. So things like avocados and olive oil and grass-fed butter. So things that are good quality fats. And olive oil should be cold pressed, right? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Cause sometimes it's tricky. Like at some of these stores, you see cold processed and, you know, people don't notice those labels. Yeah. That's an important one is that it should be cold pressed and organic when you can get it. And it, olive oil is a different, a really difficult one to get a good quality olive oil. So finding a good quality olive oil is important. Staying away from the vegetable oils and the seed oils is important. So corn oil is is uh, not where you want to go. The canola oils, those sorts of things are not considered the good fats. And even sunflower oil and safflower oil, right? Correct, yeah. The tumor is only a symptom of cancer, not the cause. Hello, I'm Dr. Michael Carlfeld. I'm the owner of the Carlfeld Center in Meridian, Idaho. We specialize in cutting edge integrative oncology care, addressing the cause and not just the symptom of cancer. There are 11 factors you need to address when diagnosed with cancer. To learn more of what they are, get my free ebook when you visit thecarfulcenter.com. Along with the ebook, I will email you a free webinar series where world-renowned specialists will tell you what you need to do to address these 11 factors. You'll hear from experts like Jane McLellan, Dr. Paul Anderson, Dr. Neil McKinney, Dr. William Lee, Dr. Nasha Winters, and Dr. Isaac Elias. Don't miss out on this life-saving information. I also offer a free 15-minute cancer consult where we can go over where you are at in your cancer journey and how the cutting-edge therapies we offer can benefit you. Give the Carful Center call at 208-338-8902 
or visit our website at thecarlfullcenter.com. Would you say the ketogenic diet is is good for long-term health? Yes, I would say that. I would say that you adjust it according to where you're at. So when somebody's in what we call a cancering process, it's very important to stay at a specific number as far as your macronutrient targets, because you want to get your ketone levels in a therapeutic range or nutritional. There's either nutritional or therapeutic range. It's important that we're in those levels when somebody is in a cancering process. Once you're stable, then you can get a little more free with those carbohydrates. You're a little more free with those numbers, with with those macronutrient targets. But it always goes back to what we call test, assess, and address, and always keeping track of what's going on with your glucose, what's going on with your insulin levels. And if you've had a little bit of a celebration, so for myself, I'm, I'm on ketogenic diet always, and I always will be, but that doesn't mean that I'm at the numbers that I was when I went through my own cancering process. I eat more carbohydrates now than I did at that point. And if I've had a celebration weekend where I may have had way more vegetables than I normally would have. And maybe I've had some cassava chips or, you know, something that's really brought my carbohydrates up. Then that week coming off of that, I'm going to get really strict again. So I make sure that I'm keeping my glucose numbers where they should be. And so that's what it's about for me is, is just making sure that I'm staying in those, those ranges where I am staying healthy. So I heard you say if you had more vegetables, do you mean like the high carb vegetables, like the root vegetables? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cause people are going to hear that being like, what? I'm not supposed to eat vegetables. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's a really good point because my cheat when I have a party weekend and I'm going to cheat, it's because, oh man, yeah, I've had some spaghetti squash. I've added more spaghetti squash and maybe I'm going to have some sweet potatoes and I'll have more carbohydrates in the form of vegetables than I normally would. And it doesn't mean I'm going to go out and eat a chocolate cake. It means that I'm going to have way more vegetables on my plate than I normally would. And not saying that vegetables are bad, but the carbohydrates in vegetables can even add up to too many carbohydrates in a day. So I'm still watching my carbohydrates and eating the best variety of vegetables that I can within that number of carbohydrates that I've allowed for myself in that day. Got it. And someone who is listening who maybe just got diagnosed with cancer and they're hearing this and they're like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I could ever do this. What do you say to them? Well, I come across this quite often. And what I say to them is let's take small steps. And so it's always just about starting with the small steps and finding out, okay, let's look at, let's look at what you eat now. And let's look at what is the easiest thing for you to take out, you know? And so if we look at somebody's, like, I'll have them do a three-day diet 
or a three-day food diary, not a diet, a three-day food diary. And we'll look at that food diary and look at some of the things that on there that could be the easiest to remove. And I let them say first what that might be. And then I can give some feedback based on what they decide. Usually one of the first things that we can take out is, oh, how about Pepsi? Or how about let's take out a soda, <laughs> you know, and and try and make those changes with some of those easier things to take out of, you know, and with any kind of change, even if somebody is going through a cancering process, it's still difficult to make those changes. And so it's really about what's doable now and what small action can you take? Yes. I think that's so important. Baby steps. Mm -hmm. And as long as you're moving forward, you know, even if you maybe ate something that you feel like, oh no, is that going to cause my numbers to go up? Or is that, you know, not to stress out over that stuff and just know that your next meal, your next choice can be different. Exactly. And that's such a key as well is not to stress out over it. And so one of the other things I will mention early on with people is forgiveness and give yourself some grace this is not going to be, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to be small steps. And if you make a mistake, just forgive yourself and keep moving. Right. And so with the testing, do people reach out to you and say, you know, I, I want this metabolic testing to see how I'm doing? Or is that like reaching Dr. Nasha? Because I know you work with her. Yeah, it can happen in a few different ways. So I'll have people reach out to me directly and I'll have people reach out, you know, they'll see a doctor first and then the doctor will, one of the doctors like that are in the MATC or the metabolic um, trained doctors will reach out to me and, and refer their client to me. It's always important when I'm seeing a client that they are seeing a doctor as well, because I can say, hey, these are the blood tests that I would recommend that you get, but it's important for the doctor to determine what's next based on those blood tests. Okay, great. Because I know a lot of people are going to be listening and thinking, well, how do I do this? You know, where do I start? So that's perfect. And before we get into random round, I just want to ask any last suggestions or words of wisdom for anyone currently going through cancer and for their families, because I know, you know, it's tough on the support team around you. It's tough on everybody involved. And I think one of the last things I, I want to say about that is just the, the emotional impact of this disease is a really important part of the healing process. You know, and a lot of times people are so involved in doing the things, doing the treatments, doing the healing modalities that they forget about the emotional impact. And from that first diagnosis, from the first time the doctor comes out and says, you have cancer, that's a huge emotional impact right there. It's also been shown, there's also been research that really connects chronic disease, especially cancer, with previous emotional traumas in our life. And so not only is this 
an impact, emotional impact, but it may have even started way back when we were kids and had some sort of an emotional trauma. And so what it really all comes down to is that that mental and emotional peace is just as important in the healing process as all of the treatments that you're doing, any changes that you're making in your diet, you know, whatever else that you're doing, that piece is just as important, if not more than, than all of those other things. Yes. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I mean, cause the people I work with and people that I ask in my Facebook group, did you have any major stresses or traumas before you were diagnosed? And the majority have, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you suggest people do to deal with that emotional trauma? What are some of, some of the things you suggest? Well, awareness is number one. And so I like to give a lot of resources to help with um, creating awareness. Um, I have training in the Daring Way um, approach, which is the work of Brene Brown. And so the shame and vulnerability. It's like, what are we not, what are we not speaking? Because there's shame surrounded around that. And when we don't speak what's inside of us, then it fessers. So number one is, you know, just learning how to be vulnerable mm. and creating connections with others in your most, most authentic self. Uh, yes. I mean, that just resonates with me so much because I felt after my cancer diagnosis, well, after I was finished with everything, that's when I really took a good hard look at my life and realized I'm not being my authentic self. I'm doing work that I didn't love because that's what other people thought I should do. And I just wasn't living a life that, that made me happy. So that is such an important point and a great, great way to end and go into random round. So are you ready? I'm ready. Fill in the blank. Freedom to you is... Freedom to me is being able to express all of your emotions. The last show you binged and loved. Bridgerton. (laughs) Great one. When you're feeling afraid, what do you do? Take a breath. If you could have a one-hour discussion with someone past or present, who would it be and why? It would be my grandmother on my father's side, um, because I think I have a lot of her traits. I think I, I take after my grandmother, but I never knew her. I just, um, heard all of these things about her. So I would just love to dive in with her and find out about who she was as a person. What is your favorite go-to snack? Macadamia nuts. And that's a good healthy fat, right? Healthy fat. What's one simple thing that brings you joy? working in my yard. What's on your nightstand? Well, glasses, first of all, and then a lot of books that I've read halfway through. (laughs) I get that. I get that. (laughs) Just stay there. What's your favorite form of exercise? I love to swim in the ocean if the conditions are just perfect. So usually that's grease. Greece is where there's the perfect conditions for swimming in the ocean. So it doesn't happen that often. Sounds wonderful. 
What's one thing you're really grateful for in your life right now? I'm really grateful for my family. I have an amazing daughter and grandson and son-in-law that are just my joy. And where can people find you if they want to learn more? They can find me at my website, ottersburgcoaching.com is the website. Perfect. Well, Janet, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. And I know people are going to really learn a lot from this. So I really, really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you so much. So good having the spend this time with you. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Doing so will really help this podcast get noticed and will help us to inspire more people. And remember, the sky is the limit when you take your power back when it comes to your health.